Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon. I hope everyone is doing well on this late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, East Coast time. Recording this after the Nets Bucks game one. The Nets victorious over the Milwaukee Bucks in game one in what many people were calling before the game uh, a preview. Not necessarily a preview, but this is, quote-unquote, the NBA Finals. These are the two best teams remaining. These are the two best teams, two best championship contenders. And for part of the game, it played exactly like that. It was a back-and-forth game from the start. Uh, Both teams clearly knew what they were going to do had their uh had their game plans that was it was very clear at the beginning but then everything got immediately immediately altered and changed when James Harden Brooklyn Nets superstar MVP former MVP of the league goes down with a reaggravation of his right hamstring injury 40 to 50 seconds into game one you know, as a as a basketball fan and, and, and the league and, and everyone involved, you just it's just a brutal thing to to see. You know, have a super hyped up matchup. You want everyone healthy, you want everyone as close to full strength as possible. You want your stars playing and we'll see. This is the same right hamstring injury that caused Harden to miss several weeks during the regular season. It's uh it's the exact same hamstring. He felt it, pulled it, you know, pointed to it right away, didn't try to do anything, went immediately out, left the arena to go get an MRI. This could be a series-changing injury the same way that Chris Paul's injury in Game 1 in the Lakers-Suns series seemed series-changing, and the same way that Anthony Davis's injury became series-changing. It's a, you know, there's... It's a you know it's it's a shame it's 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 mainly just really disappointing that it happened you know because you as a fan you feel for James Harden you feel for the Nets but also like we're fans of entertainment we're fans of the drama and we want the best product possible on on the court because we just love you know if you're a fan of basketball and you love the game James Harden is a spectacular magical basketball player. You want him on the court. So so that's super disappointing. But that's going to alter the entire series now. His, with only one day off, that the next game is Monday night. Unclear, if obviously at, at this point, if he will play. Assuming he will not play, that uh, it's, it's going to change everything because the Nets can get a little better defensively starting Bruce Brown in, in the backcourt. Uh, or they could... Uh, start offense. They could go sham it in in Harden's place. It, it'll be really interesting to see where they go because this is really the first real test in the playoffs for Steve Nash. Steve Nash, first year head coach, obviously tremendous player, but first year head coach battled a lot in the regular season. Obviously, everyone did short training camp, not a lot of practice time. His star players, well documented, I think played nine ish games with all three of them together in the lineup, battled a lot of COVID protocols, injuries to all three of those guys all season long. 
and you know that was definitely adversity and, and challenging but it's different regular season to, to playoffs so it'll be really interesting to see this is one of the first really big decisions coach Nash has had to make in his short head coaching stint uh, with the Brooklyn Nets and so it'll be really interesting to see how their rotations change how their lineups change because this game fundamentally came down to shooting there's not too much to talk about about this game except the fact that Blake Griffin and Mike James two important but role players complementary players for the Brooklyn Nets made six three-pointers and Milwaukee as a team made six and they really made four when the game before they threw in you know waved the white towel and and put and put in and took out their their top players uh, to prevent injuries or anything like that. They really made four threes. So if those two guys, two complementary players, are going to make more threes than than the Bucks, it's the Bucks are not going to win. And it's you know it's very simple. It doesn't require a, a lot of analysis. The you know they they need to make more shots because they used which which is their huge advantage in this series. They used it really well through the first three quarters, which is their size. They attacked the offensive glass in a really, really impressive way. Brooke Lopez had five offensive rebounds in this game. Would have liked to see him get a couple defensive rebounds as well as he ended with zero, but five offensive boards, really using his size in the same way that he did in the Miami series, which is Giannis prevents such a unique matchup nightmare for other teams because of his size, because of his skill set that because he's Giannis is seven feet tall, you have to put someone big on him. Otherwise he can just go down low and just shoot over them. That it a lot of times led to Lopez having either a height advantage or a weight advantage on a guy like Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, uh, Nick Claxton, other guys who would come in and rotate Lopez, just like he did against Miami, was really able to use his size to his advantage, get down to the block, attack the offensive boards, and then also post up and get some easy shots close to the basket. You know, he was eight for eleven from the field, three for three from the line. He played great, but it's the exact type of strategy that that Milwaukee is is trying to use is with is is how Brooke Lopez played tonight. Chris Middleton threw off the boards. Drew Holiday got four. Bobby Portis. Big guy off the bench. He had two offensive rebounds for 15 total on the game. We like to see him rebound a little bit better as it got later on, but that's their big advantage. But when you miss so many shots from far away, harder to offensive rebound, and Milwaukee's defense is better than Brooklyn, but when you miss that many faraway shots, it just creates transition. You don't get to set up your defense in the half court, and Brooklyn is so dynamic offensively that those, those little things can can make all the difference but what Milwaukee can do in terms of adjustments towards game two is you need to treat Brooklyn for the percentages on the season and not necessarily the percentages on the game because there were multiple times during game one to uh earlier tonight where Milwaukee over rotated in, in my opinion, where the ball got kicked out or found an open man like a, like Blake Griffin, who even though he was shooting the ball really, really well last night, Milwaukee would much rather have Blake Griffin take a three instead of Joe Harris, who's in the mid-40s, instead of Kyrie Irving, instead of Kevin Durant. You have to live with Blake Griffin taking that shot. And so 
but there was a couple times to give the Nets credits because they moved the ball really, really well. Drove, kicked, extra passes, boom, 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 finding their best shooters, open, in-rhythm shots where it, it was going to, you know, where, where, where they weren't going to miss. And that's on Milwaukee to keep playing the percentages. Okay, even though Blake Griffin had four threes tonight, okay, even though he was feeling it, Make him make another one. Make him shoot another one. Because you know Joe Harris, because he was 5 for 9 tonight, He he's definitely going to make it. But you have to play that percentage. That 8 to 12% difference between Harris and Griffin is could is is just huge. And it's it's just something that uh, I think Milwaukee just can do going forward because that, that that's just something simple as close out into the passing lane to, to make him shoot or just shorter closeouts. Those types of things uh, I think are could be easy adjustments into the next game. But the bigger adjustment they have to make is, and similar to Brooklyn with their rotation of who's going to fill in for Harden, is Milwaukee had a major injury. doesn't seem like a major injury to the outside casual fans who watch, watch a lot of the Bucks. is Dante DiVincenzo. They're starting. He's basically like their starting combo guard. Got injured against Miami. He hurt. Uh, he he hurt his foot. He's out for the season. Milwaukee's still trying to figure out who takes his place, especially in this in this series where Brooklyn's guards are so good and so dynamic offensively. Who can they play? Because Divincenzo was just good enough defensively to battle. Had good size, good energy. Bryn Forbes is a good shooter. I like watching him play. He played 22, 22 minutes tonight, but. Brooklyn, in all their matchups in the regular season, is really good at identifying who he's guarding, getting him into a pick-and-roll action, and making him guard, which, as we've talked about on this podcast, it's not like these guys are horrific, terrible defenders or they can't do it, but the difference in guarding a Kyrie Irving-type one-on-one versus just another really good NBA player or just a good NBA player is just it's just, it's just so hard to, to, to guard those guys. So these guys are considered bad defenders. They're not really bad defenders, just that no one can really guard Kyrie Irving or James Harden or Kevin Durant one-on-one. And so they're still trying to figure out, hey, can Bryn Forbes, how much can we play him? Okay, Jeff Teague, you know, he played 14 minutes tonight. I think that's a little too much for Jeff Teague, but they were trying things out. I still think that their best five is P.J. Tucker's, is the way they start with P.J. Tucker, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday. And, And we'll see because... It just comes down to to making shots. Chris Middleton, 6 for 23 from the field, 0 for 5 from from 3. Holiday, 7 for 19 from the field, 2 for 7 from from 3. Those guys combined only took 5 free throws. You know, offensively, things I think will get better as the series goes on because, one, Brooklyn's not very good defensively. And, two, so much just comes down to making or missing shots. And I think that they're going to make shots going forward. But But so looking for game two, I think we'll see Milwaukee be better defensively as they make more shots. They're playing more in the half court. And I think, two is Brooklyn's going to find a way, or at least they're going to have to find a way to battle more on the glass because with or without Harden, that's the biggest hole with their team right now. They're last in uh, in the playoffs so far in defensive rebounding. It's a huge, huge weakness, and it's something that could turn one or two games in these in, in this series with when the matchup's already so close. That could that could be the difference between advancing these advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals or going home. Tomorrow, two games, both on. 
the ESPN ABC network, both in the afternoon, which we'll talk about in a second. But the 3.30 game is the game of the day. Game 7, Clippers, Mavericks. I cannot wait. This should be a great game. Game 6 was really good. Back and forth battle. It looked like the Mavs had it. Then it looked like the Clippers had it. Then the Mavs, again, the Maverick size bo- is bothering the Clippers because as much as you think, okay, we're finally getting to them, we're moving the ball really well, the Clippers went small the entire game. They stayed small. Give them credit. They stuck with their strategy of we're, we're better small or we think we're better small. We're just we're just going to stick it. We're just going to stay, stay that way. Zubach, they're only real true center who's who's fully healthy because DeMarcus Cousins is probably the most talented big guy on the roster. Hasn't really been been healthy midseason acquisition. Serge Ibaka injured. Patrick Patterson, I believe, is injured. But either way, he's he's not he's tall, but not that tall. Zubach is a true six eleven, seven feet. He only played just over five minutes in game six. They stuck with Nick Batum basically playing small ball five, Marcus Moore small small ball five for uh, 36 and 41 minutes respectively in game six, which can can work when the ball's moving well and everything, but there are just times where if you have to guard Boban on every single possession, you just throw the ball into him, even though he was five for 11 from, from the, or five for 13 from the field, they had to guard him every single time because he's so big that when Dallas went on a run it's because they were able to get the ball inside to him for a couple re- for a couple low post touches buckets layups it's it's really interesting to see because that was Dallas's wild card that was that was their that was their card to play that was their big adjustment and the clippers are, are figuring out but what also really helped in game 6 was Kawhi Leonard deciding not to miss a single shot and decide to have 45 points and put the city of Los Angeles on his back. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Is you know I can't wait to see if if he can do that again, because when you, when you reach Game Seven, there's only there's basically all the adjustments have already been been made. It's just our best against your best, our best strategy against your best strategy. The Mavericks' best strategy is clearly going big. And just hoping that they can contain just enough, and uh, Los Angeles misses just enough shots. Because what really came down to it in in Game Six was Dallas was not good enough offensively. Porzingis three for seven from the field, one for three from three, zero free throw attempts. He's got to be more aggressive. Whether that's getting him the ball in the mid post area with a size advantage to take those turnaround jumpers, getting him some more pick and pop shots. He's got to find a way to to be more aggressive. I think he could be a huge X factor in game seven. Jalen Brunson, you know, coming off the bench, he was three for eight. If he's five for eight, it just feels so much different because he, he can get into the paint, be a, be a dynamic passer, roller, uh, not, not roller passer, uh, floaters and Dwight Powell for Dallas. He was awesome in game five. One of the huge X factors in that road win at the Staples center. He only played barely played seven minutes in game six, hopefully, you know, he, he can play more in game seven because his energy and, and the way that he can rotate on defense and an and a offensive rebound could be huge. But this game is going to come down to Luka versus Kawhi. We haven't really seen a game yet so far. Well, game two, where 
Kawhi was fully on and Luka was fully on, where they were on their A-plus level games. And I am hoping that we see Game 7, it's Luka A-plus versus Kawhi A-plus because they're both they're both two of the 10 best players in, in the world at the current moment. Kawhi is guarding Luka as well. That was made one of the things about his Game 6 performance so great. It was not only he has score 45, he was also guarding Luka on on the other side. It's going to be, uh, it's you know, it's what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. It, I I cannot wait. This is the Batman versus the Joker in like the Dark Knight. Batman versus the Bane. Any any superhero villain collision, you know, Magneto and Professor X in the X Men series. It's just, I hope they both have a plus game, a plus game tomorrow afternoon because. This series has been terrific drama, great basketball, so much excitement, so great to watch that I wish they could play a best of 13, but whoever whoever wins the series may go on to go on to to win the finals, but as always with the Clippers, it comes down to perimeter shooting, perimeter shooting, perimeter shooting. And Marcus Morris went 1 for 10 in game 6. They can't win many games when Marcus Morris goes one for 10 when he's playing 41 and a half minutes. They can't win many games if Nick Batum is two for six from the field and 0 for four from three if he's playing 35 plus minutes. They can't win many games if Rondo doesn't score off the bench or Paul George is as an inefficient six for 15 from the field. They won with their defense. And look, maybe the defense will be great and Dallas is worn down and that will be the 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 winning factor but Dallas shoots the ball really really well and you know Tim Hardaway Jr is not going to be afraid of the moment he's going to fire up his shots he took 19 shots in game 6 he's going to get them up you know most importantly most importantly Luka's not afraid of anything and that Luka expect to expect tomorrow afternoon 30 shot attempts He'll get to the line, I hope, four or five times to show he's super aggressive. He'll be very close to, to triple-double range, but he's going to have a game. I, I think in order to win, he's got to he has to have that game five type performance where Dallas is going to make 35 to 40 shots and Luka's going to be responsible. I mean, scored or assist on 28 to 32 of them. I, think, I just think that's what it's going to take for, for them to beat this because he's a He's a magnificent player. He's putting the team on his back, and it's time for, and it's, it's a chance for him to do another 2006, 2007 LeBron impression and and just drag his team across the finish line and 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 win just a terrific series against two fantastic players in Kawhi Leonard and and, and Paul George because those guys, you know, Kawhi is going to come out ready. You hope Paul George is because. The Clippers last year, on you know, it's an interesting phenomenon in sports. When when these teams get they, they blow leads or uh they haven't won in a while, you know, we all go to oh they're cursed, they're cursed, they're cursed, they can't do it. You know, we make up the curse of whatever. The Clippers have never been to a conference finals in fifty plus years. They lose they blow the three one lead last year to Denver, where 
they just collapsed in Game 7 from midway through the third quarter on where they were up 10 points, just absolutely collapsed. And the image of that, the long-lasting image, was Paul George, the guy they traded for, the guy who Kawhi Leonard handpicked to be his running mate with the Clippers and said, let's go do this, took a three from the corner and missed it off the side of the backboard. That is the image we remember the most from the Clippers in, in the bubble. Fair or not fair, that's just the image that so many of us remember. And here they are again. Game 7 in a series where, where they were favored. They, they didn't blow a series lead in yet in this round. But they were favored going in. Everyone, you know, most people thought that the Clippers were going to win this series. And it is a chance for redemption for Paul George and a lot of the guys who were on the team last year to to put the demons behind them, get past it, and maybe go on because the West is open. The West is open. Move on from that. Put that behind them and, and try and go win a an NBA championship. The other game tomorrow, Hawks, Sixers. This game's at 1 o'clock. Don't really get the 1 o'clock East Coast start. Does it really help that much with TV ratings? 1 o'clock, not sure. I personally find that basically any game that starts before 3 o'clock on the East Coast, the quality of play is lesser just because it's such an early start. You know, you force these guys to play at 7 to 10 o'clock on their body clocks, p.m., all season, and then all of a sudden it's a noon or 1 p.m. start. It just throws them off naturally. They're human beings. We've all had to take flights at four hours before we're, we're normally up and functioning. And, you know, I know like we're all messes when that happens. I couldn't imagine trying to play a, a NBA playoff basketball game before that happens. And look, this, this series is going to come down to, to three things in my mind. It should, it should be a fun, exciting series. Joel Embiid has a knee injury. It's unclear necessarily how serious it is. He cannot be guarded. He was going to come in second for the MVP. He's, a mismatch in this series. Atlanta can't guard him. Philadelphia knows they can't guard him. But if he's not 100%, if he can't move right, Atlanta has a real chance. But if Embiid is as close to 100% as he can be with this knee, Philly's going to win this series. It's a meniscus-type injury in his knee. You know, Obviously, they're not going to say exactly how severe the injury is. They're not going to re- release the diagnosis in, in the playoff round. It's, it's a type of meniscus injury. We'll see. You know, he may play. He's questionable. May play, may not play. He may not play game one, but be back game two. Who knows? But for this series, Joel Embiid's health is going to be X-factor number one, X-factor number two, X-factor number three. The other just key matchups in this is Atlanta's wings, who torched the Knicks, DeAndre Hunter, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter, those guys torched John Collins, torched the Knicks, torched them. Philadelphia has great defensive wings. Matisse Teibel, Ben Simmons, Danny Green, Tobias Harris. Great, great defensive wings. Great defensive team. That match will be really, really interesting to watch. Can those guys score on Atlanta? And how does Philly guard them? And then the other thing that the Hawks torched torch the Knicks with was Trey Young could do whatever he wanted in, in the pick and roll. Partially because the Knicks didn't really have anyone to guard him. 
But he just got in the middle and made things happen for himself. Lobs to the big guys, kickouts to shooters for threes where they could knock down shots, attack closeouts. If Philly has to find a way to either force him left to his offhand and make just passes with the left, finishes with the left, which is more difficult for him, or find a way to, to just make it harder for him to get exactly where he wants on the floor in the pick and roll, which is right in the middle where he can basically do whatever he wants. And it'll be, it, we'll see who guards, who, who starts on Trey Young. I think it'll be Ben Simmons, but they may put Ben Simmons on Bogdanovich for the size advantage or have Ben Simmons on someone else as, as a roamer, rover type. But I think they should go Ben Simmons, Trey Young, best on best, uh, which will be really, really fun for, for us to watch. But this game in this series, you know, the the Sixers can win the series, can can win this game without Embiid. The Hawks can can win this game even if Embiid plays. But over a course of a seven game series, the you know, it's 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 gonna come down to Embiid's injury and and Embiid's health, which we thought we were we thought we were gonna get him through this entire season. He was so good. Obviously had the knee injury in the regular season where it's a where's a bone bruise. We thought we could get him through the playoffs because it feels like every year with this Sixers team, it's it's either Ben or Joel, and one of them is hurt, and it's it's really just not fair that it keeps happening to them. But uh, championships are tough. It's tough to win championships. Every team overcomes adversity, injuries, and so we'll see. You know, you know the, the Sixers aren't done yet. <laughs> you know, nobody, no one write them off yet. They still have a great chance to come out come out of the Eastern Conference. So that game's 1 o'clock ESPN tomorrow. Uh, good day of basketball, 1 o'clock, 3.30 ESPN, ABC. Hawks, Sixers, then Clippers, Mavericks. Again, ap- now after game six, the most important game in Clipper history. That'll do it for this episode of The Double Double. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, where you can subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much, much appreciated. You can also follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL podcast. We'll be back hopefully tomorrow. Take care and make it a great day.